0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising.
1: Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm your host today, Cheryl, and I am so excited to introduce to you our guest today, Jill Saskin-Gales. Jill is a marketing consultant, coach, and teacher. She advises business owners across industries helping them get the best ROI for their marketing. She has taught at Harvard Business School, Google for Startups, Jelly Academy, and more. Jill, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. I am super pumped to dive into one of our main topics today, and that is Google Performance Max campaigns. I'm sure many advertisers have seen this new campaign option pop up and even began running one. For those who are unfamiliar with Performance Max campaigns, It is a new goal-based campaign type that allows you to run ads across all of Google's channels within your one campaign. It also combines Google's automation technologies across bidding, budget optimization, audiences, creatives, attribution, and more. So Jill, from your experience, when would you suggest using a performance max campaign? And when would you suggest against it? I would suggest that advertisers try a Google
0: Ads Performance Max campaign if they have a few key things in place. First, you have to have excellent conversion tracking in place. I know that's something many small business owners don't have. And what I mean by excellent conversion tracking is if you're an e-commerce business, you want to be able to track purchases, of course, but ideally also micro conversions like add to card or starting checkout. And if you're a lead gen business, then you're going to want to make sure that you're tracking offline conversions, incorporating your CRM. So, you know, for example, if someone was a quality lead versus not a quality lead. So that's kind of table stakes for most kinds of Google ads, but especially Performance Max, given how automated it is. After that, my general recommendations for Performance Max are to be able to spend at least $50 a day on the Performance Max campaign for at least a month. And you also need to have really great creative assets. Because Performance Max runs across search, display, discovery, YouTube, you need to have lots of headlines and descriptions, lots of images, lots of videos. And I know that not all businesses are ready to go with that. So the creative element there is going to be absolutely key or killer to your success or lack thereof.
1: Thank you so much for that answer. That is quite a large budget for those who may not actually have it. If they don't have that budget for Performance Max campaigns, would you recommend trying out Discover ads or a different ad type? Usually when people are just getting started with Google ads, search is a great place to start. Of course, it's the
0: bread and butter. If you're an e-commerce business, I would recommend starting with shopping as well. Or if you can only afford one or the other, search or shopping. Discovery is probably my third favorite campaign type. For those who aren't familiar, Discovery is similar to a display campaign, but it only shows ads on Google-owned properties. So a Discovery campaign will only show ads on YouTube. That's image ads on YouTube for now, though they are adding video to Discovery. It'll show ads in Gmail. It's the only way to show ads in Gmail. And then it'll show ads in the Discover feed, which is like the news feed on Android phones and in the Google app. So that can be a great way to kind of get your feet wet with some more image-based and outreach-based tactics. And if you aren't able to spend at least $50 a day, that's okay for Google Ads. Just in my experience, it's not okay for Performance Max, given how much data it needs to optimize and learn. If you're running a search campaign or a shopping campaign, I recommend at least $20 a day. With a discovery campaign, I'd also recommend, again, these are bare minimum budgets of $20 a day. Maybe if you're doing something super niche or just remarketing, you could get away with more $10 to $15 a day on discovery.
1: Awesome. Thank you. I do have a question that's not on my list. So once someone's run performance max for maybe a month, two months at the $50 a day, would you suggest they're able to decrease that budget based on the data that they've been able to collect?
0: If they're seeing really great results from performance max, and they're not able to spend the same amount anymore, then they could decrease the budget because at that time the campaign has already learned and knows like who's going to convert and who's not. But if you are going to make a budget change, I recommend moving it in twenty five percent increments only. So I wouldn't move from fifty dollars a day to twenty five a day. I'd move down to forty dollars a day. Give it a week or two, see how it goes, and go down further. And then you may also need to change your bid strategy if you're on a maximize conversions or maximize conversion value bid strategy. And changing your budget is effectively changing your bids. So you may see some performance swings with that. If you do have a target CPA or target ROAS, it's a little safer to make those bigger budget changes. But again, it's the rare business that's going to have a CPA that's less than $50 consistently. So you always want to make sure if you have a target CPA that your daily budget at least equals your CPA. If you're working on a target ROAS, you're actually going to want a budget that's at least three times your CPA.
1: Okay, that's great information. for. That 25% increments, is that so it doesn't go back into a learning phase? Yeah, we don't have a quote-unquote learning
0: phase in Google the same way that Facebook ads do. I know in Facebook ads, like, like, ah, I don't want to throw it back into learning phase. Google ads campaigns are always learning. If you make big changes, it'll just say there's a the five-day learning period, but that's not true. It's really about gathering enough performance data for the algorithm to be able to consistently drive good results and that consistency part is key. So if you have a performance max campaign running on a maximized conversions bid strategy, and you cut your budget from $50 to $25, it has half as much budget to work with every single day. And so it's probably going to have to lower your bids, which you don't control in a bid strategy like that to do so. And then at lower bids, maybe you're getting lower quality traffic that doesn't convert as much. So your conversion rate goes down or the opposite could happen. Maybe it'll then focus much more on remarketing and not prospecting. So your conversion rate could go up because performance max is totally automated, you don't get to control those things. And so that's why I recommend taking smaller steps so that if you don't like what happens, it's easier to revert back rather than $50 a day down to $25 a day, freaking out, jacking it back up to 50. It's going to have to learn all over again. It's not going to remember that a week ago it was performing well at $50 a
1: day. Definitely. Yeah. We've noticed that on our end too, that if you are making huge changes, it's not beneficial for the campaign whatsoever.
0: Not at all, unfortunately.
1: Algorithms don't work that way (laughs) yet. No, not at all. (laughs) So in our campaigns for a couple of our clients, I've actually noticed there is a significant amount of conversions compared to amount of clicks. And I noticed that's because we had our local... Ah, local campaigns. And so compared to how Facebook collects information on data, so they have like the seven a view through or the click through. Does Performance Max also take that into consideration, or is there based on clicks only or also including a view through conversion window? You would have to check your conversion settings in Google Ads to see. By
0: default, vast majority of Google Ads conversions are click-through only, but you have the option to change that, especially if you're running YouTube ads. And of course, YouTube is included as part of Performance Max, you have the option. So best thing to do would be to check your conversion settings. And from there, you can decide whether or not view-through is included. The other thing to keep in mind with Performance Max because of all the different kinds of inventory on it is that a click doesn't always mean a click to your website. If you were running a local campaign, a click could mean a click to call. A click could mean a click to get directions to your store in Google Maps. A click, that could be a conversion. If you have it set up that way, someone getting directions to your store could be a conversion, in which case a click could be the same as a conversion in certain circumstances. So if you are running performance maps with more than one conversion action, which is very common. I recommend looking at your performance settings segmented by conversion so you can see what exactly is in that conversions column. And you can always change your conversion settings if you want to, just for the performance max campaign, if you don't want to change your overall conversion settings. So I have seen some business owners, for example, in a performance max campaign, including add to cart as a conversion whereas in other search and shopping campaigns, only counting purchase as a conversion. That's up to the advertiser.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense from what we were seeing. We saw it was almost over 100% conversion rate, which didn't make any sense. And they had a list of affiliate locations. So that brings right back to your point of if they're maybe just clicking on for directions or even clicking to call it like both in that same period of time, then you've got your two conversions And so we definitely did go back in and remove (laughs) the location as a conversion because it was really skewing our results.
0: Yeah. And it depends on what you're trying to achieve. If you are a larger business, then you can actually count a store visit as a conversion. So not someone just getting directions, but if they actually came to store and that's really powerful. And then at a larger scale, these are for the company spending hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on Google ads, you can incorporate your store sales data, tie it all back to Google ads. There's powerful things you can do at scale. But I would say 99.9% of businesses will not have enough data to do that. So the most we can get is someone at least getting directions to your store to see if they have some kind of intent to come visit in person.
1: Definitely. And also speaking of the data that's being collected by Performance Max, we did notice that insights can be quite limited so how do you recommend advertisers get the most out of the insights that they can see when looking at their Performance Max campaigns?
0: The Insights tab in Google Ads gives some good data, but not all the data we'd want. And of course, the Performance Max campaign, it's all we have because there's no search terms report, for example. So the first thing I'd say is the Insights tab with Performance Max over the last year or so that the format's been available has had more and more data added to it. While you can't see specific exact search terms the way you could in a search campaign, you can see search term themes. And from that, know how much of my budget or conversions are coming from brand or non-brand, for example. So that is there. A few little workarounds I've seen and heard about from other folks in the industry. In the report section of Google Ads, you can actually get a display placements report. So you can at least see what sites the display portion of Performance Max is showing ads on. If you wanna get a better idea of how much of your Performance Max is going towards YouTube, what you can do is the YouTube videos that you upload to be used as ads in Performance Max, upload them to your YouTube account unlisted, And then only add them to the Performance Max campaign. And then that way in YouTube, you'll be able to see the view count and know how many of those, the views could have only come from Performance Max. So there's little workarounds like that you can do. You can also use Google Analytics creatively. If you create a segment in Google Analytics, you can do this in GA4 or UA of users from Performance Max. Then you'll get a very detailed landing page report for example, and know how those people navigate your website, which isn't something you can see in Google Ads. So I'd say when you're trying to know how a performance max campaign is performing, look at the performance metrics, great. Looking at the insights tab will give you some great insight as well. But then using Google's other products with it is a great way to gain additional insight that's not built into the Google Ads platform, at least not today.
1: Yes, absolutely. Combining those two platforms, platforms—you got Google Ads and your analytics, those are great ways to how those specific users are performing especially when there are maybe some limited insights in one of the platforms you are able to kind of merge over and look at how those users are behaving how they're converting etc
0: i especially like looking at the user view because performance max can be used for a lot of prospecting and so if someone's first touch point is with performance max it may not be know the last thing they do before converting and depending on your attribution it may not count so i do like when i create that segment in google analytics to do a segment based on users
1: and not just, you know, did the session include a performance max click? So in those insights, you mentioned how you can see themes of those search terms. How do you recommend going about avoiding cannibalism of branded search terms? This is, I would say, the number one complaint about Performance Max is that it includes
0: brand, it will cannibalize your brand, absolutely. So there's a few things you can do. First is you can say, if my goal is to really simplify my Google Ads account and eventually just have a Performance Max campaign, it doesn't matter. I will say that is not a mentality most marketers will adopt, but I have to put it out there as an option. If you really want to exclude brand, there is a new option in Performance Max. You can apply account level exclusions. You could exclude your brand from your whole account and then it wouldn't happen in Performance Max. But failing that, at least as of right now, if you want to add negative keywords to a Performance Max campaign, you have to reach out to Google to do so. Previously, you had to have an actual Google rep to talk to. One of my coaching clients last week actually just like typed in the chat within Google ads to some random person who worked at Google and asked for negative keywords to be added and they were able to do it for her. So that's an anecdote. That's not an official policy I've heard. But if you do want to make sure that your performance max doesn't show on branded terms, you want to come up with a list of all your brand keywords, misspellings and all that kind of stuff. And if you don't have a Google rep to ask, then just Call the 1 800 number, use the chat with us within Google Ads and ask for them to be added as performance max negatives. And that can work.
1: That's a great little tip on a workaround for that. Yes, it's a benefit to working as a coach. I get to
0: meet with a lot of different Google Ads practitioners, small business owners, and marketers, and kind of share best practices among them. So it's fun to get to share these little tidbits.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place.
1: As people start to also utilize these little tidbits, do you think that Google will hopefully at some point just add that into an option in the Performance Max campaign? I
0: hope that they will, but I do not think that they will. And the reason I say that, you know, having worked at Google, I think I understand the Google mentality and the Google (laughs) Kool-Aid quite well. And there really (laughs) is this mentality of Google, like automation is the way, machine learning is best, And that if humans just like back off and give the machines a little time (laughs) to learn, then they will learn. As humans, whether we're marketers or not, we're just not programmed to work that way, right? We want to interfere and touch and optimize. And it's a real struggle. I imagine it's a real struggle for the Google product teams who, on the one hand, get tons of feedback from customers saying, give us control, give us control. But on the other hand, can see at least with the larger scale clients that like, giving humans more control is not always good because algorithms can optimize for millions of things in a second in a way the human brain just cannot. So it's a real tension and something as nitpicky as brand keywords in a performance max campaign, I think it really touches at the heart of that conflict. So knowing what I know of Google, I don't think they'll make it a default option to let you just add negative keywords because that goes against what the campaign is trying to do, which is just maximize your performance, get you as many conversions as possible. But I really empathize with the fact that advertisers want that. And I mean, as an advertiser, of course, I want that ability
1: as well. Definitely. And the performance max campaign types, like you said, they use a lot of machine learning, as well as when you're creating audience signals, they're using a lot of data. But how do you think now a cookie future is going to impact this new performance campaign? Is the cookieless
0: future really happening? Though <laughs> we've been hearing about it for quite some time. Google has spearheaded an industry effort called Privacy Sandbox. There have been tests like Flock that have failed. We haven't heard of successful ones yet. So, how do they say the cookieless future is coming? It's been delayed a couple years now. Maybe it will come, but in the meantime, the power is there. And I think, regardless of whether that you know cookies go away or not. The key priority for all businesses now and for the last year and going forward is going to be gathering that first party data, that personally identifiable information from your customers. So email address, phone number, something like that. That's really the only way for companies, especially smaller businesses, to be able to hedge against the potential data loss that comes with not being able to use cookies anymore. So that first party data has always been important and is more important than ever, in my opinion.
1: Definitely. Uh, we really try to hone in on the first-party data for a lot of our clients just because, you know, we hear about the cookie future quite often, and we're just not sure when it will happen, if it will happen. And if it does, how do you think this is going to affect the PPC industry?
0: I think it's really going to hurt small businesses a lot more than larger businesses. Because large businesses, you know, the Walmarts of the world, like they have enough data among their customer base and within their own systems to be able to create their own audiences, which they now package, right, to third parties and have their own ad platforms. The ones that really hurts are the people who want to get started advertising with Google. They want to start finding new customers with ads. They have $20 a day to spend. They're not going to be able to take advantage of this audience data. And so I don't think that's a popular viewpoint, but that is my viewpoint in that, that the people who are harmed the most are the, you know, probably 80, 90% of advertisers at really small budgets who just will have an even harder time competing when they don't have access to that powerful audience data anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be unfortunate. So hopefully we still can get all that same data that we're able to have at the moment. For those advertisers that are or in the companies that may have to make some big changes in order to help them be able to gather some more data whenever that cookie future feature happens. Do you have any specific insights or changes that you would recommend that them maybe be trying to make now in preparation? Do whatever you can to collect people's email addresses or phone numbers with
0: consent, right? Between GDPR and CCPA, there's lots of regulation around that. And Google and the other ad platforms will not advise you on that, like consult your own legal advice or I don't know, Google it. But collecting that data is more important than ever. That's why like any online store you go to, first thing is get 10% off or get 15% off, give us your email address because they know how powerful that email address is. And a phone number is even more powerful if you can leverage SMS marketing, you know, beyond Google ads. One thing I will say though, is even if you don't have enough email addresses or enough consumer data to start using it for advertising purposes in Google ads, because to do so in Google, you need to have at least a thousand matched email addresses, which usually means 1,100 to 1,200 email addresses, I still recommend that you upload those email addresses into Google Ads, even if you can't use them for advertising yet, or if you can't afford to use them for advertising yet, because you can get free insights off of them. And this is something most people don't know. Actually, I went and did a training at Google two weeks ago, and the Googlers in the room didn't even know this, that if you upload your customer email list into Google Ads and let it process, Google will then give you insights about your customer list. So for example, it will match Google's own audiences with your customer list and tell you like people on your customer list are 4.3 times more likely than the average Canadian to be in market for accounting software. Or like people on your customer list are 7.2 times more likely than the average American to be in market for trips to Europe. I don't know. So it'll give you all these insights. It'll tell you the gender breakdown, the location breakdown, even if you're not spending any money on advertising. So I encourage everyone take advantage of that in Google Ads Audience Manager.
1: Awesome. For those looking for that information, when they're in Audience Manager, where can they find that data that's going to populate after they've uploaded that list?
0: Yeah, so you go to Tools and Settings, Audience Manager. You upload a list, a customer list. And once it's uploaded and processed, you upload it right away and processing can take a few days. When you're in Audience Manager on the left, there's an option called Your Data Insights. And so when you go there, you can pick which list you want insights on. You can do this, by the way, for your website remarketing list, for your YouTube subscriber. You can do it for any of your data segments in audience manager, but I love doing it for a customer list. And then the insights will be there. You know, a great example of how to use this, there's a business I worked with that sells children's clothes. And so initially, a lot of their advertising, we were using in-market audiences like in-market for baby and children's clothing. Makes sense. When we uploaded their customer list, we saw actually their top in market segment wasn't people in market for baby and children's clothes. It was people in market for nursery furniture and people in market for strollers. And so what we deduced from that is that the people who were shopping weren't people who have a kid. They were people who were pregnant, because when you're pregnant, that's when you buy the nursery furniture and the stroller. You don't buy that after the baby arrives, usually. Yes. And so that really <laughs> changed. Our advertising strategy and the marketing messaging, knowing that people were coming to this site before baby arrived to buy a whole wardrobe rather than after. And so we were able to shift our messaging, shift the website text, all kinds of things based on this free insight from the Google Ads audience manager on the customer list. So that's just one way I've seen this data used in a really powerful way before.
1: I can tell you that after this, I'm definitely going to be going into all of my clients and just like double checking all of those lists because that good, is good. A fantastic information. Wonderful. And if you don't have a large enough customer list, then you can still do
0: this on any remarketing list, whether it's a YouTube remarketing list, a website remarketing list, an app users list, kind of any of those remarketing is no longer called remarketing in Google ads. It's called your data segments. So any of your data segments, you can do this on as long as the list is large enough.
1: I hope a lot of people go and dig into their audiences now because that is, I think, in my opinion, it's like game-changing when it comes to being able to use your data and using it for really powerful purposes. Yes, absolutely. My last question for you on our cookie future topic is how do you think that the cookie future is going to affect Google's platform as a whole?
0: It will definitely have an effect on Google's platform as a whole. I think the advantage Google has is having so much signed-in user data. So whether you have a Gmail account, a YouTube account, an Android phone, and on and on and on. There are many people who are logged into Google. And when you're a signed-in user, Google is not reliant on cookies to gather information about you, right? Because you're signed in, it knows who you are. That's an advantage that many other businesses do not have. Though, of course, Google's not the only one to have this. So that's why I think Google's business compared to others in the industry is quite well protected. In my personal opinion, I think that's why Facebook so impacted by a lot of these iOS changes? Well, of course, many of us are logged into kind of Facebook or Instagram at any given time. They don't have the same kind of access to our phones and our web browsing in the same way and have already lost a lot of that data just because of Apple's privacy changes. Of course, we call it Apple's privacy changes. Apple's building their own ad platform. So not just about user privacy, but different conversation for a different different, day. So I don't know, know what those changes will look like exactly, just as when a lot of these privacy regulations were first announced over the last kind of four or five years, like GDPR, CCPA, all these things, you know, a lot of the onus does get put back on businesses to figure out what's legal and compliant and what to do. Google can't be in the position to legally advise millions of businesses around the world, and so I think that's going to become more complicated. You know, Google's platform may change a bit, but there will be more onus on advertisers and business owners to manage their data in a privacy safe, regulatory compliant way. And that's going to be challenging from a time and money perspective, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I kind of don't want to see it, but I know. It's <laughs> changes is the only,
0: co- I mean, in our industry, change is <laughs> yeah. the only constant, and especially with Google ads, change is really the only constant. I mean, the last year alone, Performance Max was introduced. The way keyword match types happened have totally changed. Ads completely changed from ETs to RSAs. Just a few weeks ago, extensions are now asked. Like every week, there's a new change in Google Ads. And so we just got to roll with it and try to embrace it and figure out how to make it work for us rather than burying our heads in the sand and protesting it.
1: Exactly. There's never a dull moment as a digital marketer. That is definitely for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to find you on social media, because you always have such amazing tips, tricks and everything, Google and keep up to date with anything else that you have to offer. Uh, Where can they find you? Yeah, so on TikTok, Instagram
0: and YouTube, I'm the Google Pro. And I share tips about Google ads and free Google tools like Google Business Profile and Google Merchant Center. And if people are looking for more Google ads specific content, then you can find me on Twitter at Jill Sask and Gales. And I'd
1: love to chat with you in any of those places. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks again so much for joining me. I know I'm definitely already following you on probably all the channels that I can, and I would highly recommend it for anyone who isn't at the moment. So again, thank you for being part of this podcast today. It was great having you and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and
0: other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.